Hello, true believers, and welcome to another episode of A Marvelous Escape. We've wrapped up our coverage of Loki, the last of the Disney Plus weekly streaming shows, and we are now taking a break to discuss Black Widow, which released in cinemas the week before last and on Disney Plus Premium Access. Now, I have probably talked this to death. I've written articles about it. <laughs> I've been on the other podcasts about it. I wrote the three-minute review of it. You don't want to hear what I have to say about this movie anymore. So I'm just going to defer to our two excellent panelists, um, the wonderful Casey Noso. Hi. Hey. Uh, and the fantastic Amy Campbell. Hello! Um, all right, so let's kick this off. First impressions, what did we make of Black Widow, Casey? Um, yeah, right off the bat, I, I do want to say it did have sort of a unique feel. Um, like for, at the very least, the first half to two thirds of the movie, it just didn't really feel like a Marvel movie. And not to yeah. say that as a bad thing. Like, I, I thought that that was cool. It was trying to kind of carve out, out its own energy, I guess we'll say. Um, but based on where this story is set in the MCU, like, that seemed like a weird choice. Like, at, like why would Black Widow in the middle of Civil War slash uh, Infinity War shenanigans have like this very kind of dark side story. <laughs> and I know it's part of her actual origins and whatnot, but just tonally, it, it just felt very strange. And I, I don't know, like I, I, I still really haven't wrapped my head around what I think of it after seeing it. And I, and I did see it fairly recently. I want to say like maybe two, three days ago, I, I went out to, to the theater to actually watch it. But like I left not really feeling like super into the whole plot and like maybe just feeling like, I don't know, like it, maybe it felt hastily thrown together in some ways, but like that can't be right because the movie was done like several years ago. So like, it's, I don't know, like I, it really left me in kind of a weird place. Cause like, I like the character of Black Widow, uh, Scarlett Johansson, I'm a little meh on, like, I don't, I don't find her particularly interesting in general. But thank God someone said it before I did. <laughs> oh, thank God. Okay, cool. But, yeah, no, go ahead, Amy, because yeah, because like it's it's hard to kind of form words about how I feel about this movie because it really it didn't seem like it was made for me. But then in that aspect, I can't understand who it was made for. Yes. No, I feel like I almost feel the exact same way you do. And I like that's really interesting to me. I came into this going, I'm really curious to hear different opinions and and see where we all kind of land about it. But yeah, no, I feel very much the same. I I attempted. Okay, well, here's my anecdote. I attempted to watch it at the movies, um, but then about like maybe not even five minutes into the movie during that opening sequence. Um, on the plane, all of a sudden it just went like cut to black and we were like, wow, dramatic, cool. But then the lights came up and we were like, oh, oh, um, oh no, the power was out in the whole building. Um, no movie for you. <laughs> <laughs> I had a similar experience actually the first time I went back to the cinema. I'm trying to remember what it was. It wasn't a quiet place, but it was something kind of similar where it seemed like the projectionist had actually forgotten how to run a projector in like the eight <laughs> months they had been off. So it started and it started, oh, it's Fast and Furious. It was F9. So it began <laughs> silently and then it began re it began again silently, but this time with subtitles, which was interesting because it made it seem like an art house kind of movie with like silent intertitles. Then it began in Spanish. Uh, and then finally it <laughs> began properly in English with subtitles. And they eventually turned the subtitles off about an hour into it, which was a bit of a shame because I quite liked roaring engine sound effect on my F9. But yeah, I, your, your experience, Amy, is not unique in terms of getting back to theatres, I imagine. <laughs> That's so funny. 
Um, so anyway, ended up watching it at home after that. I was like, well, I'm not risking that again. So, yeah, I there was definitely something that felt really different about the first half than the second half. And that first half for me, I'm, I've mentioned it before, I like nonsensical action. I, I play a lot of video games and I don't mind the grotesque, uncomfortable violence. But for me, it actually felt way too uncomfortable and out of place in the first half of the movie. Like when her and her sister meet, I was just like, I'm actually not comfortable with the scene I'm currently witnessing because it just felt so... I The word that comes to mind is grotesque and unpleasant, even though it's no more than anything you're used to seeing. But I think because then it falls out of that so quickly and is like, oh, hey, how are you? And I'm like, um, no, like <laughs> you literally just tried to kill each other and that's not funny. That's not funny. Um, it, it didn't come across in a way that felt like dark comedy. It just felt uncomfortable to me, particularly that scene, um, which is funny because my favourite part of the movie was Elena, was... Florence Pugh's character, right? Yeah, yeah. I really liked her character, and like throughout the movie, I really enjoyed what she was offering. I think because she was comic from the outset, there was always something a bit funny about her, um, but not in a way that felt unusual or out of place. Yeah, like uh, in in that earlier movie, like she kind of fit the tone, but was still the comedic aspect, right? So like her. Like once um, Alexi, um, I'm forgetting the actor's name now. <laughs> oh, David Harbour. David the, the Harbour, car- yeah. The father, the yeah. Red Guardian. Yeah. Once Red Guardian, David Harbour's character came to the picture. Things got a lot more goofy, which yes. made it feel a yeah. little bit more like the other Marvel films. Yes. And, but, but prior to that, the only real comedy aspect was either Scarlett Johansson kind of flirtily looking at someone and being coy and that's supposed to be funny or... <laughs> It was Elena actually saying something funny, but like with a straight face and like not letting you know whether she's joking or not, but she's clearly joking like that. I, I She really did that very well. Mm. Um, and again, like it felt out of place in the Marvel universe, but it worked for, I guess, the tone that the first part of that movie was setting. So I did like that. But like, yeah, on, on the, the subject of the the violence in that first meeting between the two of them, that also kind of threw me for a loop. Like I thought the action scenes were actually really good. Um, and I guess coming af- coming off of like three seasons of like TV Marvel, yeah. where they I guess they clearly have not spent as much money on the action choreography there. But I was like, yes, more like, hand this waving. Is- it's like yes. more hand acting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, th- this is what I like. Like in terms of like combat in my Marvel movies, like they were really going at it in that. But like it, it didn't seem like they should have fought there. Like it was kind of that obligatory. No. All right, we have two characters who are strong, so we got to put them against each other before they work together. And like they. It kind of was like, oh, this is a checklist we have to hit. And it just did it without really giving you a reason for it. And so in that way, yeah, I can see why it leaves like kind of a, a bad tasting around. Because they fought hard and they, they should not have fought each I, other that hard. I'm going to be like the dissenting guy here. And I'm just going to say that I actually really like that opening segment. And I think like what Amy said there about Yelena kind of crystallized it, which is that like Yelena is the quirky supporting character that you used to have in every blockbuster, where in every blockbuster most of the characters would take it relatively seriously and you would have one supporting character who didn't have to carry as much dramatic weight or dramatic water, but who could get the punchlines in and the jokes and whatever. And there was like one of them. 
And now in the Marvel universe, it seems like every character has to have has to be that character. So when you have the groups of the Avengers together in like the briefing scenes in Endgame, it's just, well, who who came up with that quip? I don't know. I guess Don Cheadle hasn't talked in a while, so he gets that line. <laughs> or, you know, like Thor hasn't been up on stage, so he's going to say something funny. Uh, can we get a joke about Cheese Whiz in there? Don, you're up for that again. Uh, I feel like... I quite liked the the kind of like the old fashioned action moviness of the the opening sequence where it felt something like like the Born Identity or the Americans or even like the Daniel Craig Bond movies. And then yeah, it does it does take a dramatic shift I think once Alexei shows up and once Alexei puts his costume on and then it becomes a much more I think conventional Marvel movie. That's probably fair to say I think, is it? Yeah, I it's would really put it at that point too, yeah. yeah. It, it, absolutely. And one of my big things that and now this is just completely my feelings of it, and I know there will be many people that don't feel this way. Something that really struck me was when they're in the plane, they've picked up the dad. Um, one, I don't feel like anyone was angry enough at them. <laughs> one, they should have been way angrier at the mum and dad than they were. That was something that struck me. But particularly when they were in um, the... Flight vehicle they were in. I can't the remember helicopter. what it was. It was the a helicopter. helicopter. Okay. The old-fashioned yeah. helicopter, yeah. It, it <laughs> wasn't an Avengers spy jack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whew, okay. Um, so when they were having that scene, something that really struck me was how quickly they brushed and with such little weight, um, well, we were forced to have hysterectomies. That really upset me because I went, that's a really awful, awful thing that people have done to you and you should be so angry. I get that you've come to peace with it, but make that more apparent before you throw a joke in afterwards to be like, well, that sucked. I'm like, no, that's awful and real fucked up and makes it really dark as a film for me. Um, And when you just throw something like that in the air, as someone that's dealt with a lot of issues in that department um, and is surrounded by a lot of people that have issues, to me that's kind of where it went, you've now missed the tone for me because after that you just go, oh, but look, he's funny in a red suit. That's funny, right? And, and that to me was kind of where I went, I don't know how I feel about this anymore because and similarly later when they're downloading the information about women whose lives have just been like literally stolen from them, um, these poor people, um, that, that really got me. I'm like, this is really not okay. And it's just a plot point to get to the dramatic stand and stare at the end. And I was like, no, I would have liked a bit more gravitas in these moments when you held it at the start and then for these real key moments, you'd introduced the funny before you could kind of let those land in the way I would have liked to have seen them land. And I totally get that I'm probably not in the majority on that opinion and it's totally just me, but that was how I felt about it anyway. Amy, it is not totally just you. I will say that to, to, to yeah, be I think, frank. And somebody I think you actually yelled just, it on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> I think you actually just put it in my head why... I could, yeah, like why I couldn't articulate how I felt about it because you're absolutely right. Like the like the dark tone, the the setup, the actual plot about 
human trafficking, about like little girls being kidnapped from their homes, about forced hysterectomies. Like women's control their own bodies, which is like one of the big issues of the modern day, and is actually still being fought yeah, over. Like that's not just super yeah, yeah. dark and serious, and they really did just brush through that because it is part of her story, and like I guess they they couldn't get away with retconning it and changing it. But then it was like, okay, this is a Marvel movie. This is one of the members of the Avengers. The rest of this has to fit in with that. And it doesn't work. Like, it doesn't work at all. Like, this story honestly should have been uh, more similar to not even, like, the Marvel TV shows today, but, like, the Daredevil yeah. and uh, Jessica well, Jones Jessica shows. Jones. Jessica yeah, Jones from, in like, particular is what Netflix. I was thinking yeah, of like, I think yeah. if this had been a show in that vein and they just stuck with that this is a serious or a more serious, darker tone... This might have actually been like really good in that case. But mm. like, yeah, like I, I don't think her story really meshes well with this kind of PG-13 uh, Avengers. And like maybe maybe that's why they had to kill her off eventually. I don't know. <laughs> but also I think Scott Johansson had spent like, I think, was it at that stage, nine years playing the role? Nearly a oh. decade, now, over 11 years now. Um, and still hadn't had a solo movie for whatever reason. I mean, I know everybody says like Ike Perlmutter was vetoing, you know, movies like Black Panther and Captain Marvel. But the obvious solution there is instead of making Captain Marvel, slot Black Widow into that slot while she's still part of your universe going forward and still has agency as opposed to being a character who you already know is dead and who is just getting this as kind of a, eh, I guess we didn't really do that character justice in our shared universe. So uh, <laughs> I guess we have to make make do, uh, you know, post Yeah, like it, it very Sorry. much does feel like an afterthought in that way yeah um all right is there anything else we want to talk about with the movie anything kind of jumping out at people with regards to like any particular plot points particular beats uh before we talk about maybe what it means going forward because it is kind of interesting that this is a a prequel movie in some respects and you know obviously mm. it, it it's set before natasha and again this is amy's usual function of the podcast but you should not listen to this podcast if you have not watched the, the marvel <laughs> movies but since this is a prequel movie and we know that black widow dies in endgame we know that scarlett johansson is done with the role and we we get those kind of post-credit teasers about yelena going kind of forward but before we talk about that anything else with regards to the movie itself and kind of like how it falls in in the marvel cinematic experience how did it feel to be watching a marvel movie again i'm kind of curious because we've been talking about the shows and we've been watching the shows been watching them weekly now for what nine weeks of wandavision six weeks each of falcon the winter soldier and loki how did it feel to watch a two-hour movie set within this universe did it feel different or distinct particularly after like the 18-month gap i think the longest gap yeah in the mcu today pretty long yeah per- personally i i think it was a little weird like i like maybe i wasn't ready for a full, like a regular marvel movie <laughs> once again but it could it could be the fault of the movie because like we talked about earlier like it didn't necessarily feel like one like it wasn't a roller coaster ride at least not at the start it definitely ends that way but like it's it does leave a significant imprint on you in that first half that it doesn't mm. cleanly shake off yeah. before they get into all the bombastic stuff at the end so yeah i don't know i'm, I'm dumb excited for shang chi though like the, the trailers for that make me feel like there's gonna be like a proper marvel adventure yeah. um but i mean and, and in terms of it is actually interesting because i do feel like this is a movie that really suffered from the delay during covid 
because like I get the sense that this yeah. might have done better if it had been released like when it was supposed to last year when it would have been like after Endgame you had Spider-Man Far From Home and Far From Home was kind of it was not its own new thing it was a coda to Endgame it was about Peter Parker dealing with the loss um, of Tony Stark and then obviously this would be oh well we're dealing with the absence of Black Widow before we start moving forward and so maybe it does feel a little weird that we've now got you know three TV shows that are all setting up things going forward that like we're back in cinemas and it's like no we're actually we're still going back and we're still dealing with the aftermath of Endgame uh, while you know Falcon the Winter Soldier have given us a new Captain America Loki has given us you know the multiverse uh, and even oh, sorry well yeah. no Loki was just like the Infinity Stones didn't matter all of that was pointless <laughs> and it's like oh well <laughs> like that's a hard thing to come off the back of like uh, no yeah absolutely right it's it certainly puts you in a different frame of mind than if you were just going into it with any other movie. And one last thing I would like to say, I, I didn't hate it. Like, I actually, like, I sat there afterwards and I was like, oh, yeah, like, I didn't mind that. I could had a good time with parts of that. A um, couple of things that didn't sit well with me, but, like, overall, finished it and I went, yeah, cool, wish you'd done this or that. But I was like, yeah, okay. Yeah, like, I don't, I don't think it was bad, like, I mean, but I, I probably wouldn't watch it again unless it was just yeah. on. <laughs> like, it, like it's kind of in that of uh, like Thor 2 camp or something, right? Like who who really remembers or cares about Thor The Dark World? <laughs> we only care about Korg, all right? Hey, Amen. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, like again, I, I've talked about this far too much elsewhere, so I'm not going to go into it too much. But my, my big takeaway from Black Widow is that it is a fine movie. But it is frustrating that it is just fine because I think there are mm. moments when it threatens to be great. I think there are moments where you can kind of peer beneath the surface and you can see a much better movie kind of waiting to get out. But as Amy said, every time that it looks like that might break through, the movie has to turn and go, look, we're not taking it too seriously. You know, we're all trying to have fun here. And it's like, I, I feel like it's OK for you not to have fun when talking about certain things, maybe. But that's just that's just my take. Right. And I, and I want to reiterate because like... All three of us have said probably a couple of times now, oh, like Marvel is doing, it's making this story like a Marvel thing. And that does kind of sound like we're maybe saying that that's a bad thing. Like, no, I'm a fan. Like, I like that style of movie making where like, it's, <laughs> it's like pulling on like your heartstrings while being exciting and funny at the same time. Like, I love that. Right. But you do have to pick a lane. Like, you can't have that yeah. <laughs> and the more serious tone. So, like, when they tried to match that together, that's what I think is making it, like, feel so awkward. They're plowing like, down the middle and hitting every sign <laughs> on the way to slow them down when right. you can't pick. <laughs> like, like Shang-Chi, at least from the trailers, very much looks like, look, we're going full Marvel mystique and action and, you know, character introduction. Like, it's a proper introduction of a new hero. Like, this wasn't a Black Widow origin story, which probably would have fared better if... That was the point, right? But they're like, they're diving into her backstory and they're also having her deal with the present where, you know, she's already established and she has to kind of have an adventure on the level of, hey, I just left the Avengers for a little bit. So I'm gonna go do this thing and then come back, right? So like, I have they to have crash to a few helicarriers or else it's not an Avengers <laughs> adventure, right? I'm right. gonna go get my friends out of prison. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's just you. Again, to be like, to be fair, part of me thinks that's not the movie's problem. Like, the one of the issues with the movie is that, like, whatever about like Avengers and Age of Ultron and the baggage of like Joss Whedon and everything that comes with that, and any criticism you make of him is entirely valid and all that sort of stuff. At least those car those movies actually gave 
Natasha character and agency. You might not like what those characters what characteristics are. You might not like the way the movies approached her, but at least they put her in focus and made her a central character. She is important to the plot of those movies. She's an essential character and she's an audience identification surrogate. But after that, like in Infinity War and in like, you know, Endgame and hell, even in Winter Soldier, which is one where like everyone's all like, yeah, there's a good there's a good Black Widow movie. It's called Winter Soldier. I'm like, N- no, you like Black <laughs> Winter Soldier was written at a point where Johansson was renegotiating a twenty million dollar contract for Age of Ultron. Um, that script was clearly written so that they could do a find and replace on the name Natasha with Sharon Carter. Uh, if Johansson refused to sign on, there is no character in there. Um, that is just like stock female sidekick. Thank you very much. You know, whatever you think about Johansson, it's her performance, but it's not a character. But I think that like. One of the problems with, like, as as Amy said, the kind of joke ending of, well, well, I learned my empowering lesson in this movie. I'm going to break my friends out of prison, which you have already seen in the end credits to Captain America Civil War. <laughs> and therefore, no, that's happened. But, like, the problem is that there's so little character for Natasha in Infinity War and Endgame that, like, when this movie tries to do the prequel thing of retrofitting, like, you can tell that the writers are like, um, okay, what is different about her in that movie? She She has a vest. Okay, how did she get the vest? That's the plot point. Um, okay, she has, um, they're driving around in a jet. Okay, how did she get the jet? Can we make that part of our story? It's like, okay, what else? Well, we did, We cha- you know the way we change characters' costumes regularly, like just generally, like Iron Man has a different set of armor, every uniform, Captain America changes costume. Yeah, well, you know that she now has like kind of lines on her, her kind of catsuit? Yeah, what if she got that catsuit from her mother? It's like, yeah, bam, it's in the movie. This movie now matters and explains important things. I feel like that sort of aspect of Black Widow isn't Black Widow's problem. It's more just like the baggage it inherits from the other movies and how they dealt with Natasha, which is, you know, again, not something I feel, I feel a little bit unfair ragging on the movie for it, but it also kind of draws attention to it, I think, perhaps. Um, but then no, that's I see a, that for sure. Yeah. 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 I'm sorry, Casey, were you going to jump in there? Oh, no, no. I was just okay. agreeing with you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, all right, then. Um, so let's talk a little bit. Uh, we may actually wrap this up on time. Nick will be very glad to hear that we may get this episode in at under half an hour. Let's see if I can't sabotage that in my role as host. All right. So where do we... <laughs> my best efforts. So what do we think going forward? Like, what are we expecting this movie to have implications going forward? Because I think that, like, KC made the point, you know, if you were making this movie, you could have made it like an origin story for Black Widow. You could have done her and Clinton Budapest. You could have done something like Captain Marvel, where you go back and you show the character kind of starting out, but they didn't. They made a point to set it between Civil War and Infinity War, and it seems like a large part of that is, as Amy pointed out, arguably the best part of the movie. Uh, one of the best actors of her generation, Florence Pugh, uh, playing Yelena, uh, who is very much, I think, being set up going forward. And you have like the post credit scene with Val making an appearance suggesting that she may be a member of the Thunderbolts. You have her getting the little pad saying, oh yeah, she's going to be targeting Clint Barton, which confirms that I think uh, Florence Pugh is going to be appearing in the Hawkeye limited series. So what do we expect? How do we think that stuff is going to pay off? Is she going to just be a guest star in, in Hawkeye? Is she going to be part of this Dark Avengers thing that's being kind of built with, uh, you know, uh, US agent uh, John Walker? Uh, is she going to be a young Avenger? Where do we think this is going, guys? I don't care. I just want more of it. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> I, I, I'm not really phased. I um, uh, uh, this is the part where I admit I haven't watched Falcon and the Winter Soldier yet. But I was like, <laughs> ooh, um, Julie Louise Dreyfus, yay! <laughs> um, so I was pretty keen. Um, and yeah, I just really liked 
Yelena as a character and the second they kind of set that up as where it was going, I'm like, yeah, I didn't really like that guy anyway. Go kill him. That's going to be great. <laughs> I, like, yeah, I feel, I feel terrible that I'm the guy who's like, yeah, I, I'm rooting for Yelena on this one. I feel like I feel like if she kills Hawkeye, everybody wins, really, even Hawkeye's family, to be fair. Anyway, oh sorry, God. that was very... That, sorry. <laughs> wow, okay. Now, now who's got beef with an actor That was no very reason? dark. It's... <laughs> Renner's got a Jeremy Renner. Um, just Hawkeye. I have a very, I really dislike Hawkeye as a character. Wow. But we don't have time to get into that. Casey, I what about yourself? Oh, enjoy sorry, Linda Cardellini though. So yes, I'm just like, great. yeah, cool. If we get that, like, if we get those two <laughs> things together, boom, great. <laughs> yeah, see, I, I just want what's best for Linda Cardellini's character. That's that's what I want. Um, but uh, Casey, what about yourself? Um, I, I personally am very partial to Archers. <laughs> So <laughs> no, you're so the straight I'm, arrow on this podcast. <laughs> so I'm very much looking forward to Hawkeye getting more spotlight. Um, though you're right, I don't really feel anything in particular for uh, like Clint Barton as a character. Like, but again, like that's not necessarily the fault of him. It's, it's the same thing with a lot of the other kind of like side Avengers is that they don't they just don't get a lot of time. Um, so if if they somehow make me like him, I'm cool with that. If they just pawn everything onto his daughter so that she's the next uh, super cool archer, I'm fine with that too. So uh, in terms of uh, Yelena, though, um, while I did like her and while I do find Scarlett Johansson somewhat annoying, I feel like she's not different enough from the previous character. Like Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow is kind of just the all-around super cool uh, like feet, like token female member of the Avengers, and if they do somehow just slot Yelena into that position or give her that same position in either the Thunderbolts or Dark Avengers, um, I don't really see her getting much more play than say, like you know, your U.S. agent who got a much more prominent role in his you know TV show spinoff and his introduction. For example, like his his meeting with um, Val was part of the main plot and not yeah. just. And, and post credits, yeah, post credit scene. Whereas Yelena was okay; she's the sidekick to Johansson in this movie, and then you'll probably see her somewhere else as a post credits. Like it already feels like they're not planning to pay as much attention to her. So that's just and, the vibe I get. And in the post credit scene, she's already working for Val. So you've, right, you've yeah, already you didn't even see how they met missed, or how that was all yeah. set up. Exactly. Now maybe you might get that in flashbacks in Hawkeye, but I mean, it does feel like you've missed a fairly major part of like the character's yeah. arc, where like the char- the whole point of her arc in Black Widow is I get to make my own choices. I am my own person. That's what I love about the sequence with her and the vest in the car. Like that's a sequence I think humor works really well, where it's like it's the smallest thing, but it's her choice. And by the end of it, like I feel slightly frustrated that like the big arc involving the vest is she has to give it to Natasha. So it's like so you you chose that vest for yourself. It is a cool vest. It is the first choice you made as a person. Person, but you're giving it to Natasha because she had it in Infinity War. That doesn't really feel like you're exercising much choice or agency really there. So it feels like, and then like you have the post credit scene where it's like, oh, you were an assassin who was being used to do these terrible things like in the world. And so now you are presumably working with a character who we already suspect is not on you know on the books and even if we didn't suspect that the fact that she's told you to kill hawkeye who is a designated hero in this world tells us that she's not really on the wrong side of right here it does Mm -hmm. feel a little bit like it kind of fudges yelena's arc a little bit in order to kind of get to the drama there's a multiverse now it's fine (laughs) it's fine no no choice matters um (laughs) 
Wasn't Good that Christopher, Christopher L. Bennett's argument against the multiverse is that like the problem with the multiverse is that it means that choice doesn't matter. It means that your characters have no agency because every choice they make, they can just branch off and replay it a different way, um, which completely eliminates any sense of characterization. That is a very grim and dark note. Uh, and then before we before we kind of finish up, so the big tease is Yelena. And we, we know that Yelena is coming up uh, in, obviously, in Hawkeye. And we'll presumably be sticking around beyond that because you don't hire Florence Pugh and get her to do a guest spot with Jeremy Renner. You hire her because you're planning to do something in the long term. What do we think in terms of David Harbour, Rachel Weisz? Because those are the two other big additions to the MCU. So David Harbour as Red Guardian, Rachel Weisz as Melina, the uh, first Black Widow, or one of the first Black Widows. Will we be seeing them again, do you think? Um, And in what capacity, in what relation? Do we think that we'll wait until Avengers 6 and see them in a group scene? Or do we see them kind of coming back in, in interesting ways? While I liked I liked David Harbour's performance a lot, like I thought he really, even though he was still playing sort of a surrogate dad in this, which is kind of his hallmark, I think he it was a very different kind of dad, and I really liked what he did with it. Like it was fun. I don't think we'll ever see him again. Like he, he's just not, <laughs> like he's not interesting enough on his own. Uh, and like from day one, he was literally just a Russian Captain America, right? Yeah. So like unless it's another Captain America story. I don't I don't see what the purpose would be for him to kind of be around. I, I kind like, of like w- want the idea of like Captain America 4 to be like Beltrock the Leaper and the Red Guardian and just these kind of like gro- big national stereotypes fighting Captain America in the style of a big 80s action movie. That's kind of what I want on some level. What about yourself, Amy? Do you think we'll see either of them again? I doubt it, but I did like I liked their characters and I liked what they introduced while I didn't necessarily think at some points in the movie it fit. I liked them. And, yeah, like, I thought the whole concept of the Red Guardian, like, was quite funny um, and what that meant. But it made me want to see how that fits in with the Captain America story. And I'm not even that big a fan of Captain America. But I was like, yeah, I'd watch that story. Um, I'd, I'd like to see how that plays out and plays off um, because he was so self-absorbed um, and was like, did he mention me? Like, does he mention me? No. And I was like, no, why, why, why are you asking me that? Um, and I did kind of like those moments and I, I very much did like um, the, the mother's character and what it kind of meant to be one of the first Black Widows yeah. and how that impacts your life. But yeah, I, I doubt we'd see it again, but I liked what I got out of it from them. So I, I, I can live with that being it. All right. Um, and then I find, I think the only other thing then is is the Taskmaster character uh, played by Olga Krenko. Oh, right. Like, do we th- like... Do we think, well, first of all, a lot of buzz around how that reinvented the character and a lot of people angry online who are fans of the comic because obviously the comic book character, um, whose surname is Masters, which I quite like, he calls himself Taskmaster because his surname is Masters. Um, but the character in the comics is radically different and they reinvented him and changed him completely. So he's he's no longer like talkative and bantery. And obviously now he's, he's a woman and he's very specifically tied to uh, Black Widow's character. But like, what did we think in terms of like Taskmaster as a character? And do we think that she has an arc going forward or does she exist primarily just to like close up natasha's arc to erase the red from her ledger in a in a i would argue a very tokenistic very patronizing a very simplistic way but like does the character have a future do we think so casey maybe either 
No. <laughs> no. Like, it, they, they did, they kind of, like, I'm not super familiar with, like, Taskmaster's origin, but I do, I, I did understand that that was, like, they basically rewrote everything when they yeah. did the reveal. Yeah. Um, and honestly, that, that made it seem like, oh, they, they were planning to throw this character away. <laughs> like, they, they wanted it to hit a certain note for this movie because of the other characters in it. So they used a villain who is tied to Black Widow as a character for it because that character had to be there. But they, they used it for their own purposes to tell the story they wanted to tell and to also wrap it up so that it didn't bleed over into anything else. So, like, I... I I don't think we'll see anyone else from uh, this movie other than Val and Natasha because not Natasha, uh, Elena, because they showed up in the end credit scene. Yeah. Like that's the only <laughs> clue as to them existing outside of this movie. Everyone else, I, 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 I will, I'll pay you money if anyone else outside of that end credit scene shows up in any Marvel thing. Honestly, okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, t- I'm gonna take your bet. I'm gonna make a very specific bet. I'm gonna say I don't think this is the only time that they're going to appear. Yeah. But I guarantee you that at some point in the future, some future Avengers movie will try to do its own riff on the classic assemble moment or on your left moment from Endgame. And you will see like the helicarrier come down from the heavens with a bunch of women in cat suits, uh, Olega Krianko collecting and cashing a nice check, leading them into battle, representing Natasha's legacy. Oh, I, you mean like the 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 big group the, of the other widows that they yeah, that is okay. day place specific and <laughs> i hate that it sounds so that's like, my, that's my, that's my pitch i'm not gonna yeah. say when it will happen like this is the great thing about all my predictions it, all my predictions <laughs> most of my predictions come true in a long enough curve so things like i'm like oh yeah it's gonna be agatha harkness and it turns out to be agatha harkness at the last minute or oh this model of releasing uh movies on disney plus premium access and in theaters at the same time seems like a bad idea and it's like actually it had a really good opening weekend i'm like okay maybe i was wrong and then it's like yes but it completely cratered in a second weekend i'm like maybe i was right um so i so the key is the key is to aim long term and say I don't know if this is going to be like five years down the line, seven years down the line eight years down the line, I reckon we will get a moment like that, so I, I will put money down on that Casey All right. um, on, the, on, the, on the understanding that like it may never happen and I will never have to pay you because I can just keep saying it's coming, it's going to happen it's eventually it's coming, it's <laughs> yeah, happening it's, it's like, but what about yourself Amy? I imagine there'll be a cameo or two not dissimilar to what you've just described, I could expect to see something like that but you bringing up Taskmaster as a character reminded me the other thing that really got me about the movie is I'm like stop telling me the Black Widow's great when she murdered a young woman (laughs) Um, what really bothers me like what really bothers me is that again and this is the thing the movie is so specific about choice choice matters the choice that you make as a person matters choice has value overriding another person's choice is the worst thing you can do so natasha makes the choice to murder a kid she's sitting in the car and she says go like they ask over the radio are you sure and she says yes she makes the choice and the movie just bends over backwards to undo that choice but it doesn't as amy pointed out doesn't change the fact that she made that choice. If not for the fact that this was like a movie that was consciously designed to exonerate her, she would have killed a kid and she would have always killed a kid. And the fact that she at the end manages to free that child from decades of torture, mental abuse and programming and abuse at the hands of her father 
doesn't really wipe the slate clean. Like, there's probably an argument you can make that, like, Dracov's daughter would have been happier if she died. Yeah, um, she did die. She <laughs> yeah, would have been better like, off. <laughs> like, like, like she, her hands wouldn't be as bloody. She wouldn't have to live with the memory of all the terrible stuff she'd done. Like, I do feel like the movie gives her a get-out-of-jail-free card that it doesn't really earn. And I worry that it sounds like I'm being harsh or unfair, but it do, I do feel that's a that's a cheat. I mean, you, you bring up of that situation and it reminds me what kind of bomb levels a building <laughs> does not harm its intended target but only scars the face of a young girl like the entire building blew up what yeah, the, the hell kind of explosives fine. were these yeah. the world's greatest spies using yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like that's so stupid uh, also stupid um your your failsafe to not be murdered by your killing machines is that they smell you and can't do anything. But all they got to do is is break their nose a certain way. And it's, it's, it's in a certain way that you can just put back as if nothing had happened right after. And no one thought to do that before <laughs> Natasha got in that room. Like, that's just dumb to me. <laughs> I, I give that a credit because I, I like I give that that sequence a bit of credit because it feels genuinely uncomfortable and unpleasant. And it boils the movie down to its essence, which is the idea that this awful man thinks he can do whatever he wants to the women that he has found power over. Um, and like the fact that he uses pheromones to do it feels Weirdly in tune with internet culture um, in like 2021 <laughs> in the worst possible ways. So I like give the movie a yeah yeah I give the movie a slight pass in that regard. I did think it was like I did think it required a significant amount of idiocy on his part not to realize oh she wants me to break her nose which she uses to smell the pheromones that are stopping her from killing me. I think I will break her nose, but I am too weak to do so. I did think that was a bit... Well, anyway, sorry. Yeah. Amy, my sorry. last thing. My last thing. Also, the whole movie revolved around the fact that they never found his body in the first place. And no, he can't possibly be alive. I saw no body at the end of that movie. <laughs> I, wait, that so hold on. Is that, the shit out of me. Uh, right, she, like, still, she still didn't confirm the kill. <laughs> I, I, so I was waiting for Amy to make the bold prediction of Drakov being the surprise phase five villain. Ray Winston turning out to be the man behind it all. He's secretly a Kang variant. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, there's there's a lot. To, I, again, I've talked about this before, but yeah, I am not the climax of the movie. I, I do not like a lot. I think that it undermines a lot of what the movie's going for. All right. I think that about wraps it up. Only slightly over the target that we were aiming for. Um, but is there, just a tiny bit, uh, is there anything more that you guys want to say? Anything we haven't discussed already with regards to Black Widow? Any predictions you want to make? Any things that you think are going to pay out coming out of it? Uh, just any any closing thoughts. So, uh, Amy, we'll go to you first. I just like Julia Louise Dreyfus. I got like 30 seconds of her, but I'll take it. <laughs> you felt validated? Damn right, I did. You, you had that one in the tank. I know you did. <laughs> I, I, well, I mean, come on. Like, I've had that in the tank since Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, KC, yourself. Um, yeah, I this to me, this story felt very disconnected and throwaway. It was. It sort of felt like uh, the Princess and the Frog, where it's like, oh, we never did a black princess. Let's get that out of the door so that they stop bugging us. And then never really, like, let's not put a lot of care into They're it. They're doing and a not series, really though. They are. Oh, they're, are doing they? Tiana, they're doing Tiana. They're doing Tiana's getting her own. Tiana's getting her own TV show. Yeah, she's All my right, well, favorite. So I'm that, ready. I hated that movie. So I'm very surprised to hear you say that. <laughs> <laughs> I do love that we are like the premier monsters at work podcast. We are now the premier princess and the frog uh, podcast as well. Um, Give me. But, 
but <laughs> I do like that, by the way, like when Casey mentions, like we didn't do the we didn't do the Black Princess, so we have to. I like that it was also uh, we we haven't done an, a, like a 2D animation movie in a while. So let's let's do that and then never do it again, um, which is another. <laughs> right, like, it came so late. It was the, like, oh, all the other princess movies are 2D. We have to do one for the black girl. So let's just do this one <laughs> and then we'll go back to what we want to do. And then and it's just 3D. Like. Yeah, then it's just 3D CGI from here on out, I'm afraid. Say goodbye to line art, baby. Say goodbye to line art. <laughs> Um, all right. With that in mind, then I think we're about wrapping up. Um, we will be back when uh, What If launches back in, in air or back, I say, as if I'm still on Loki in mid-August. So we'll be out covering that weekly, same slot, uh, same time. Um, but until then, take care, true believers. I've been Darren Mooney. I've been Casey Wosu. And I've been Amy Campbell. Excelsior. <laughs>